0: truly, God, you are so great. You are so great. God, I have a profound um, sense of your presence in this place this morning. I am awed by the fact that your body is worshiping you all over the world. And as the sun is rising in your faithfulness, as the sun rises, we wake. We come alive. We begin to worship you, Jesus. I thank you for your faithfulness in that. We celebrate your goodness. In this time, we recognize your faithfulness, that you hold the universe in place, you have set the stars in place, and you name each one of them. God, I'm not sure how you're mindful of us, but you are, and you call us your own. And for that, we're humbled. We come to celebrate together remotely and in our homes and driving wherever we are, God. We come together as a body of Christ to say you are worthy of our praise. You are worthy of our adoration, and it's for you that we live and breathe. So, God, I ask for a special grace and anointing on Jeff as he shares the word that you've given him this morning. God, I know that you are speaking to us. I know that your spirit is alive and well. And for that reason, I ask that you would calm our minds and center our hearts, even at home, on our couches, or wherever we're sitting, I pray that the children would enjoy this morning. I pray that a bit of your truth would be planted in their hearts this morning. And God, we, we know this is all for your honor and for your glory. And for that, we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.
1: Amen. Uh, well, good morning. Um, Dave and Ashley, thank you for leading us in worship. I don't know you two very well, but I love the way you always seem to serve together, so thank you. Um, Today's a special day in a couple ways, uh, but it's a special day for mothers today. And Michaela has something to say.
2: Happy Mother's Day, mothers.
1: Thank you, Mika. Um, So, happy Mother's Day. Uh, Michaela would probably do a better job thanking mothers than what I do. Historically, I'm not real great with those special days like birthdays, and Mother's Day and Father's Day, so Kendra is the one that keeps that ordered in our house. But either way, today is Mother's Day. Um, And I know I've not done justice to thanking my mom for the way she's worked hard to raise me. Um, I know I put her at her wit's end on occasion. You just kind of know when your mom's at her wit's end. Watching mothers, including Kendra, it's a job of self-sacrifice, and it doesn't end. It doesn't even end when your kids graduate or when they move out of the house. But it does give purpose, and it plays a foundational role in how our young children develop, the role of a mother. So mothers, know that what you do is a lasting, will be, and will have a lasting legacy. Give it your best. It's definitely worth the fight, and it's going to live long after you. It's not about getting it right either, so don't think I'm saying that. Teach your kids right off from the get-go that you're not perfect and don't pretend that you are. Teach them how to walk with God through the thick and thin and let them see you doing the same. Don't do everything for them, but give them the tools they need to be great decision makers and to discern their way through their challenges. Know that your work's not in vain, even if it seems invisible. So uh, this morning... Uh, Well, this month, as most of you probably know, our church is focusing on prayer. Uh, And we're focusing on four kinds of prayers. Praise you prayers. Thank you prayers. I'm sorry prayers. And please prayers. Prayer, as I see it, is simply communication between us and God. There's some other definitions out there, but I think it's as simple as we, when we communicate with God, that's prayer. Whether our eyes are closed, whether we say Jesus, in Jesus' name, amen, at the end or not, it's simply communication between us and God. So last Sunday, Susan uh focused on I love you prayers or praise prayers. I'm going to use that somewhat synonymously. Uh, today, I was asked and given the opportunity to share on thank you prayers. So what is the difference between... I love you prayers and thank you prayers. Susan reminded us that, thank you, that I love you prayers remind us of our position and our role in the universe and our place, that God is big and we're not, that our time here on earth is very short. And I think thank you prayers can do the same thing and be very similar. I think there's a very real sense in which thank you prayers and, love you, and I love you prayers can almost be in the same category. So what's the difference? The difference, I think, between praise prayers, or I love you prayers, and thank you prayers, is that praise prayers are reminding ourselves and the spiritual powers around us who God is. Thank you prayers, on the other hand, are reminding us of what God has done for us or what He will do for us, what we believe He will do for us. Praising God for who He is and thanking God for what He has done both remind us who we are and who we aren't. It reminds us that we're part of God's creation. That He is God and we are not. Next, we're going to see an example of someone who was thankful for what Jesus had done for him through a brief skit. So I have a couple helpers here today. Um, the skit is coming from Luke Seventeen. So bear with us for a couple seconds while we get ourselves oriented.
2: Now, on his way to Jerusalem. Now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into a village, ten men who had liberty met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. When they saw him, he said, Go, show yourselves to the priests. To return and give praise except this foreigner? Then he said to him, rise and go, your face has made you well.
1: All right, thank you, helpers. Um, so there we had the it was not a parable. There we have the the story of Jesus healing the ten, lep- ten lepers, and with only one of them taking the time to return to thank and praise God for what he had received. Um, in my brief study, uh, and I don't know why, I don't, it puzzles me why this is the way it, it is, but Samaria is between Galilee and uh, Jerusalem on the west side of the Jordan when looking at a map. Uh, and the the route between Galilee and The straightest route between Galilee and Jerusalem was literally to go straight through Samaria. There is some thought out there that some Jews actually chose to cross the Jordan onto the east side of the Jordan and travel south and then cross back onto the west side of the Jordan to go to Jerusalem. Uh, But in this particular case, Jesus chose to go straight through Samaria. Um, Another thought, uh, leprosy in this story could have included several different kinds of skin diseases or rashes the worst, known as Hansen's disease, uh, was quite severe. In fact, limbs would become deformed, shortened and become stubby. uh, And it was also very contagious on contact or as well as through the upper respiratory water droplets if you cough or breathe, whatever. Uh, Reminds us slightly of COVID, although it was way worse than that. In Leviticus 13.45, uh, if someone was found to have a skin disease or leprosy, They were required to live alone away from their community and have their hair unkept and to wear torn clothes. They were also required to cry out, unclean, unclean, if somebody came close to them. If the disease wasn't bad enough, which it was, the social isolation at that time would have been enough to take all hope out of life. Now that was social distancing. And it makes what we're dealing with today a mere shadow of what, of what those lepers had to deal with in their time. It's no wonder that when they saw Jesus, they cried out, Master, have pity on us. They were, they were going through a lot of suffering, a lot of isolation. Uh, and so Jesus simply says, go show yourself to the priest. And then only one returns grateful to give praise and thanks. So he combined his prayers into praising and thanking when the leper returned. Uh, He praised God in a loud voice, and he fell at his feet, thanking Jesus for the healing he had received. So we can ask ourselves, were the others not grateful? Why didn't they return? I honestly suspect they were just as elated about their healing, and I don't think they would have been too ashamed to return. They already had dealt with all kinds of social isolation. I don't think they would have been too scared to come back to Jesus and humble themselves before him. Uh, So I'm not going to be too quick to pass judgment on the other nine. I have no idea why they didn't come back. Um, Maybe they wanted to get to the priest before their disease came back, or maybe they were slow processors and didn't quite realize what had happened in time to thank Jesus. But either way, Jesus points out that one of them did take the time to come back. And he was a Samaritan who was a foreigner. Um, He had received a miracle and he took the time and the energy to return and praise Jesus and to thank Jesus for what he had done. And being a Samaritan, he thanked Jesus for even stooping to his level to heal him uh, and to make him whole and to allow him to re-enter into his society. A final thought, and I came across this in a book written by Ann Voskamp. I'll say a little bit more later. But a final thought that came from her book. Um, Jesus asked, we're not all ten cleansed? And the word cleansed is the Greek word katharizo. Probably not saying that right. Uh, But we're not all ten cleansed. And then Jesus continues to say, Rise and go, your faith has made you well. And well is the word sozo, the Greek word sozo, which is often translated saved. So, I don't know if I'm reading into this too much or not, but is it safe to say that ten were cleansed, ten were healed, but only one was saved. And that one was the one that returned to give thanks. And he really realized what had happened to his life. So the takeaway today, take time to be grateful. In the midst of what God has done for us, in the midst of the good and the bad, the things we're glad we have and the things we wish we didn't have to deal with, take time to remember the giver of gifts. Take time to give thanks and praise God. Not just asking, but also returning to thank Him. So I want to give five reasons why I suppose and propose that being thankful is a good thing. Why should we be thankful? And here's five reasons. It's going to be a little lengthy, so I'll try to review them as we go. Number one, it is interesting to me that when we read the Lord's Prayer, it doesn't mention anything in the Lord's Prayer about thankfulness. Um, But the second line of the Lord's Prayer says, hallowed be thy name. You know, God's name is separate, it's sacred, it's holy. And I'm going to lump thankfulness into this category of the Lord's Prayer. When we come to prayer, we're not coming to a bubblegum machine, nor are we coming to a genie, just giving us what we wish for. We're coming to the creator of the universe. And when Jesus taught us to pray, the first part of his prayer instructions was to remember who we're talking to. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. So, number one, thankfulness is a way that we acknowledge our position to our Creator and what He has done for us. It's a way that we remember that He is God and we are not. Number two, in light of thankfulness not being mentioned in the Lord's Prayer, Jesus did model a life of thankfulness, especially and often right before a miracle. Again, I want to credit Ann Voskamp and her book 1,000 Gifts for spurring my thoughts in this next direction. Uh, much of what, Some of what I'm sharing is coming from her book, and for anyone out there who needs a bit of a reset on gratitude, um, especially young mothers who may feel swamped with raising children, uh, Ann Voskamp is a young mother of a family, and she's a farmer's wife, and she has a really uh, profound way of writing about gratitude. Uh, She has plenty of things, she had some tough experiences in her life that she could have complained about, but she's allowing God to use her to paint the picture in a much more beautiful way through gratitude and appreciation. So, 1,000 Gifts by Ann Voskamp for anyone that's looking for something to read while you're at home right now. It's a good book. Um, Anyway, the main word for thankfulness that Ann mentions in her book is is called, is the Greek word... um, Eucharisteo. So when the leper returned to Jesus and gave thanks, he was Eucharisteo or Eucharisteoene, if you want to say it that way. Um, Often the word Eucharist, we're used to the word Eucharist as it refers to the Lord's Supper or to communion. Uh, And rightfully so, because when Jesus broke the bread and the wine, he also Eucharisteo at the Last Supper or gave thanks at the Last Supper. Uh, before his death. Um, Eucharisteo means to be thankful, to express gratitude, especially at a meal, uh, particularly as grace at a meal. So Eucharisteo is what Jesus did at the Last Supper. Eucharisteo is what the leper did uh, when he came back and thanked Jesus. Also, Jesus gave thanks, or Eucharisteo, before feeding the four thousand and before feeding the five thousand, and I have a scripture reader here for this. Um, you can come on up. I have your I have your scripture, Daniel.
2: John six twenty three. Then some boats from Tiberius landed near the place where the people had eaten the bread after the Lord had given thanks.
1: Okay, can you read those last couple lines one more time?
2: Where the where the people had eaten the bread after the Lord had given thanks.
1: Okay, thank you, Daniel. So this is found in John 6.23. It's, it's after Jesus uh, fed the 5,000. He got on a boat and crossed the Sea of Galilee, I believe it was. Um, and as John is recording some of the after activities, the day or two after the feeding of the 5,000, he mentioned that there were some boats from Tiberias that landed at the site where Jesus fed the 5,000. But he didn't stop there. He said, where Jesus fed the 5,000 and gave thanks, which I thought was really interesting that, that John, when referring to the site where Jesus fed the 5,000, felt that it was worth his time to mention it was where Jesus gave thanks Eucharisteo. Also, uh, found in John as well, and I have some readers for this verse, ladies, Brian Abbey, um, right before Jesus. Raised Lazarus uh, from the dead. this is what he said.
0: John 11:41. So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, "Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I know that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me."
1: Thank you. So here, Jesus once again is Eucharisteo, or giving thanks, uh, bef- right before he calls Lazarus out of the tomb. Um, so this reaffirms to me the importance of thankfulness, remembering, um, remember remembering what God has done for us or what He's going to do, uh, going to do based on our faith or the promises He's given us. So. Why should we be thankful? Number one, because it reminds us of who God is. Number two, uh, because Jesus modeled it. Uh, So number three, taking time to be thankful allows us to clear our minds, to slow down, and to rest from our pursuits, and to mindfully appreciate the things around us. Here's an example of this for me. A few years back, Uh, at Aberdeen Mills on Earth Day. A gentleman, and I cannot remember his first name, but it was Mr. Coble, took us on a nature hike behind the mill, uh, Aberdeen Mills in Elizabethtown, on a scrubby little trail. Nothing of any, it was not a significant trail in any way. It wasn't overly pretty. It was just kind of a scrubby little trail. Uh, And He he started to show us the flowers that were blooming. He told us about the migrating birds that were going to be coming through the forest in that week, in the coming weeks. And it really opened my eyes to all that's happening right around us, right under our noses, the miracle of creation that so often we walk right by or trample under our foot. Um, so my eyes have been were opened after that. And about two years ago, I started to see these black-bellied birds with an orange crown and white back patches in our alfalfa fields. And I didn't know what they were. And so I went, the boys, or the children and I went and did some research. And we found out that these birds were bobolinks. I wonder if anyone here knows what a bobolink is. Paul, do you know what a bobolink is? Okay, Paul doesn't even know what a bobolink is. That's okay, Paul, because I didn't either. Um, bobolinks are these, you know, medium-sized blackbirds with white patches on their back. And if you see them close enough, they have an orange-like uh, hood on their the back of their head. Um, and I had to do a little bit more research for this presentation today. So I came to find out that bobolinks actually migrate from South Central South America, uh, the countries of Bolivia, Paraguay, and Argentina. Um, That gives them a 12,500 mile round trip annual migration route, which is one of the longest of the songbirds. And the reason you don't see these birds very often is because they migrate through and they end up, in their breeding ground is just north of us, you know, in the northern Pennsylvania all the way up to southern Canada across the the middle and eastern part of the United States. So um, keep your eyes open. They're on their way through here this week. We saw some this week. Um, the children and I went running around the fields trying to keep an eye on the small flocks that we saw. So maybe you'll see one. Um, another bird to keep your eye out for that might be easier to find uh, is the eastern kingbird. Paul, do you know the eastern kingbird? Okay. All right. <laughs> Sorry, Paul. <laughs> um, so... Uh, The eastern kingbirds stay in our area for the summer, Um, but they also come from the western Amazon region of South America. Uh, And it brought me great joy yesterday when the boys and I were working in the meadow fixing fence, and Daniel said to me, hey dad, the kingbirds are out here again. And sure enough, there were several kingbirds flying around the meadow. Um, They will be here for most of the summer, probably. Anyway, uh, taking time to be thankful allows us to see the things around us, allows us to slow down. Uh, and be mindfully appreciate what's around us. That's number three. Uh, number four, the fourth reason why being thankful is is a good thing for us. Um, thanking God changes our outlook on life. It forces us to focus on the positive things around us, uh, not just the things we wish were different, or just not just the difficult things we're going through. Um, and a brief side note: I'm going to differentiate. I'm going to differentiate thankfulness into two different categories. Uh, There's disciplined thankfulness where we just thank God whether we feel like it or not for the things that we can be grateful for. But then there's also what I call overflowing or joyful thankfulness, which is what we saw in the leper. He could not help himself. God had done something so wonderful for him that he was just overflowing with thankfulness. So when we don't find ourselves overflowing with thankfulness, we can always choose to be thankful. And as at least one of my children has mentioned to me, choosing to be thankful does change your outlook on life. Okay, so number five, and this is the final thought on why we benefit from being thankful and why it brings glory to God. Uh, thankfulness drives contentment. This is what I believe. Thankfulness drives contentment. And it's in direct opposition to, to a microwave, consumption-oriented, materialistic life. Now, I know that's kind of a mouthful. Um, the issue of contentment as it pertains to material things actually grieves me. And I speak this at the risk of being a hypocrite. In high school and in my youth group, uh, I had one friend in particular uh, who was very socially, uh, social justice-minded. Um, And he really had an impact on me as a youth. Uh, And it changed the way I I view the world and view our consumption and view the injustices of the world. Uh, So I'm gonna postulate that if thankfulness drives contentment, and the more content we are, the less we consume, the lower our carbon footprint, and the more fair and equitable this world could be. We live in a culture where we have the financial means and the infrastructure to have almost any teeny-weeny little convenience we want whenever we want it. Let me give a small example of this. I love taking warm showers. If it's a little cold, I tweak it up, get a little hotter. If it's a little hot, I just bump it down and get a little bit cooler. I like my water just right. No biggie, right? We all do this. We all like our water a certain temperature, and we often take it for granted. Well, during my gap year, between high school and not going to college, I was on several shorter-term missions teams. In one case, I found myself living with a native Guatemalan host family during language study. I lived there for about a month. So when it was time for a shower, oh, and I forgot to mention, Guatemala City is the land of perpetual spring, so it never gets too hot, it's up in the mountains, it never gets too hot, it never gets overly cold. Uh, probably a little bit more like the season we're in right now, maybe possibly a tad bit warmer. But uh, when it came time to get a shower in a somewhat outdoor shower stall, hand-dipping cold water from a five-gallon bucket was not very appealing to me. Um, So the family, I don't think, I didn't ask them for this, but I think they just knew it. The family actually took a few gallons of water in like a kettle and heated it up on their stove and then they would give that to me to like have some warm water to dunkle myself. If I understood correctly and if I recall correctly, that was how the women got showers. The men just used the cold water. But I was a gringo from the north, so they treated me extra special. I look around at the beautiful earth and I see how hard we're using it to make our lives convenient and exciting. And I don't exempt myself from that. I feel sad knowing that I'm part of it. And I ask, is the world economy a zero-sum game where one's gain is another's loss? Where our low-cost goods come off the backs of someone unfairly exploited and less able to speak up for themselves? Probably not always, but probably sometimes. Do we think about this? Does it concern us? I would challenge you if if it picks your conscience to do some research. And I say this simply to put the discussion on the table. And again, I say this at the risk of being judged as a hypocrite, knowing that I'm not practicing all I'm preaching. But anyway, let's just keep it simple. Let's say that thankfulness drives contentment. And once we're content, thankfulness is a product of our contentment. And contentment allows us to hopefully reduce our consumption and challenges the idea that we need or even deserve everything. So number one, why why is it good for us to be thankful? It reminds us of who God is. Jesus modeled it. It allows us to mindfully appreciate the world around us. It changes our outlook on life. And it drives contentment. So what would it look like if we were thankful? If we prayed a life of thankfulness? As I was researching the opposite of thankfulness, I began to really see that True thankfulness is an overflow of our heart. Our Samaritan leper was being thankful out of the overflow of his heart. However, if our contentment engine isn't running real well, then I'd suggest that maybe a pull start of disciplined thankfulness might get our contentment engine going. This is where I believe disciplining ourselves to be thankful will ultimately change our hearts, allowing us to move toward contentment. And I'm soon ready for my next set of readers, Jesse. You can come on up, yep. And when we're content, thankfulness will overflow. So I have a reader here for Luke 6.43, and this passage talks about how, can, how I think, how, how, well, I'll let the passage speak for itself, and then I'll speak. I'll hold the mic. Yeah. Okay, just...
2: No good tree bears bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. Each tree is recognized by its own fruit. People do not pick figs from thorn bushes or grapes from briars. The good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. The bad man brings the evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the overflow of his heart, his mouth speaks.
1: Thank you, Jesse. Very well done. We have a seat again. Uh, So I really like that passage. In fact. If I was to have a passage that sums up what I wanted to share today, that would probably be it. This idea that that if our heart's in the right position, thankfulness is going to overflow. Out of the overflow of our heart, the mouth speaks. I tried to ask my wife and my kids if they see me as thankful, and I really didn't get a straight answer from them. So I'm not sure I'm as thankful as I think I am. Uh... So, what does thankfulness look like? To me, thankfulness is a humble attitude in prayer, praying for the things we believe God wants. It looks like an outward focus in our lives, realizing that we have so much, and as we've been reminded multiple times by Conrad, what we have is not just for ourselves, it's to be shared. And along these lines, thankfulness, I believe, leads to Generosity opening our grasping hands and saying thank you. So, what does it look like when we don't have a posture of gratitude? Well, I would, I would uh, propose that when we aren't grateful, we view God as a vending machine. We put our money in and get the product of our choice, praying as if it's only our will to be done. We're whiny when we don't get what we want. We complain, maybe even with our mouth full. And we're grouchy when we don't get our way. We find ourselves striving for more and more, never content even with what we've been given. We're self-focused, thinking and praying primarily for our needs and our wants. Now, I know that doesn't describe any of us here, so that's good. Or maybe it does describe some parts of us here, and we can all work on that. So in closing and summary, if you don't find yourself being content, uh, try thankfulness. If you don't feel like being thankful, Try it anyway and realize that thankfulness ultimately is an overflow of the heart and it's the least we can do. So thank you.
3: Jeff and family, thanks for that message this morning. Uh, We have so much to be thankful for at this time, even in this time of uh, pandemic. Let's praise. for he has made me I will say this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice for He has made me glad. He has made me glad.
1: Heavenly Father, thank you for this special day, Mother's Day, and I pray that you would encourage and lift the spirits of mothers who are working faithfully and tirelessly um, through the years. Um, Thank you for being with us this morning, and pray you would allow us to soon be able to gather again as families and friends, and continue to help us have our ears and eyes open to what you're saying to us during this season. So that when we return to, hopefully, more predictable schedule, we remember the lessons that you've taught us and that we can take them with us in the future. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
3: Enter in. Enter And His love endures. His love endures. His love endures. Enter in to His courts. Enter in with grateful heart. We are his people, he is our God. For the Lord is good and his love endures, his love endures. For the Lord is good and his love endures, his love endures. His faithfulness, it has no end. For the Lord is good, and His love endures. His love endures. His love endures. His love endures. endures. Raise your voice, shout for joy. All the earth, we sing a new song now. We sing a new song now. Raise your voice, oh, the joy. All the earth, we sing a new song now. We sing a new song now. Raise your voice, shout for joy. All the earth. song now we sing a new song now for the lord is good and his love endures his love endures for the lord is good and his love endures his love endures forever And his love and His love and joy.